A long-standing debate in Christianity. Can salvation be lost? And if salvation can be lost, how can it be lost? We'll try to answer those questions today on the Cross References Podcast. Cross-references podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, my goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor, I'm a minister, and I like to be right. Do you like to be right? Well, if so, you'll want to listen to today's podcast, because I'll teach you how to always be right. We're in the midst of my favorite chapter of the book of Ezekiel right now. It's chapter 18. This is the chapter on personal responsibility. And we're in the second part of that chapter as I look now at the question of taking responsibility for our salvation. Now, I'm in complete agreement with the traditional Christian belief that salvation is by grace, through faith, not of works. Um, And it's not, I mean, it's, it's one of our core doctrines, right? This is, I mean, that's basically quoting a verse right there. It's one of the most basic truths in new, in new Testament Christianity, but there's also a split in Christendom between those who believe that salvation can be lost or forfeited. And those who believe that salvation is permanent, that once you receive it, it can never, ever be annulled. So I'm stepping into a major debate within Christianity to weigh in with my opinion on this. Because um, I, I kind of take a, a view that sort of unifies both those views um, or <laughs> kind of strikes a reasonable balance between those two. Uh, over my lifetime, I'd say I've found myself on both sides of this debate before. Uh, but then after years ago, after a lot of soul searching and scripture searching, I, I felt like I settled on something that really made sense to me. And so it was a journey to get to the position that I hold now. And I'm going to take you on that journey. Um, if you'd like to listen, if you know if this is not an issue that is a problem for you, not something that you ever get concerned about, then you know this episode might not be for you. But if this is a question you've um, had questions about before or, or tried to figure out how to square this doctrine in Christianity and, and as far as if you can lose your salvation after receiving it, if that's something you've ever had questions about, then I'll, I'll take you on my journey today. And by the end of this lesson, I hope I've explained my position well enough um, but also, I think I, I, what I'd like to do is, is show that there's not as wide of a divide between these two positions as most people act like there is. So I think I'm going to start with my journey. And yes, this is an Ezekiel lesson. It's part of our Ezekiel series that we've been doing. But we're going to get to that stuff. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Um, but I'll just start with my journey first. So I grew up in Pentecostal churches. Um, uh, Pentecostal meaning uh, that was the theology that we had. It was the Assemblies of God de- denomination. And I've gone to a few different types of churches over my lifetime. But um, as an adult, I settled back into the Assemblies of God. And and I, as I mentioned at the start of the program, I'm a minister in the Assemblies of God. So um, that's my theology. So Pente- Pentecostal theology leans toward the idea that you are saved by grace through faith, but um, that it's not necessarily permanent that you do have to remain in Christ if, you know, until you die or, or get raptured from this planet, you must remain in Christ or you can lose your salvation. 
And so um, that was that was my upbringing, I guess you would say, as far as church goes. Uh, and then a- as a young adult, uh, I went to work for a Christian ministry. I went to work in radio. It was my first job at age 17. And that, you know, that's also around the age where as a young person, you kind of start thinking for yourself. And as a Christian, I kind of, you know, I didn't want to just always believe what people told me. I wanted to look in the Bible and and see these things for myself. And so I went to work at a Christian radio station, which is actually where I'm working now again. But but anyway, that's another story. So, uh, but during this time, uh, I, I started researching the beliefs of the people who were on our station. It was it was a preaching and teaching type of radio station. Not not a whole lot of Christian music. It was mainly um, teaching programs, Bible teachers, Bible uh, you know pastors would put their sermons on the air. And so you know I listened to a, a lot of sermons and Bible studies throughout the day. And I started looking up where the backgrounds were for a lot of these teachers that we had on the radio, and the vast majority of them believed once saved, always saved. Uh, this is the doctrine that's not what Pentecostals believe. It's more of what <laughs> you might call the Baptist belief. Um, and, and where I live in my part of the country, that's what a, a, the, a most all the churches are, Baptist or Pentecostal churches. Like there's, you know, we have Methodist churches and other types, but the vast majority of them um, are Pentecostal and Baptist. A lot of the non-denominational churches out there are just a mix <laughs> of those. So anyway, um, Almost everybody we had on the radio that I worked, where I worked, they were once saved, always saved um, believers, and 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 I would just go to their websites and look at their reasons why they thought this. And so anyway, um, oh, I, as I was, as I said, you get to that age of seventeen, you start thinking through a lot of things for yourself, and and honestly, their their reasonings made a lot of sense to me. So I I basically kind of agreed with them. I became a once saved, always saved type of believer. Um, as in that was the stance I took on salvation. Now, then in my early 20s, you know, just a few years later, I kind of went back into Pentecostalism. And so and and now I'm kind of at a mix between the two. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my whole story on why I why I kind of settle on a mix there. But I just want to say, like, I've been on both sides of this debate, and now I'm kind of in the middle. Um, why is there such a debate about this? Well, what you know, it, it's like, don't we all read the same Bible? But people who believe once saved, always saved, and people who believe you can lose your salvation, they both have verses, a lot of verses that you can look to in the scriptures to back up why you believe that way. The losing your salvation view. It has some verses behind it, like 2 Peter 2, verses 20 through 21, where it says, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. So that verse right there is saying, if you um, come to knowledge of the truth, let's say, if you come to Christianity and then you turn away from it, you're worse off now than you were if you had never heard of it at all. And I'm like, okay, well, obviously then they're not going to heaven. (laughs) You know, if they came to Christianity and now they're worse off than before, well, if you're going to heaven, you're not worse off than before. So, you know, to me, it's like, well, okay, then obviously um, you could lose your salvation according to that verse. Or you look at a verse like Matthew 24, 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So right there, it, it doesn't say the one who is saved will endure to the end. It says the one who endures to the end will be saved. 
And and I know that's in a end times context where it's talking about that right there. And that's that could be a whole other discussion. But I'm just saying, if you're if you believe that you can lose your salvation, you can easily find verses that seem to suggest this. Okay? So and it's not to mention probably the most popular book where you could find this is the book of Revelation, where it, it seems to warn several times that you need to stay true to God so that you're like, for example, that your name isn't blotted out of the book of life, you know, and so forth. So for those who believe you could lose your salvation, you can find lots of verses to back that idea up. But for those who believe that salvation is permanent, once saved, always saved, they also have their own verses that they could throw at you too. Like John 10, 29, uh, 28 and 29, Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Or you can look at Romans 8, 38, 39. Paul wrote, I am, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, it's like, you know, I, I always heard that verse growing up, but when I really thought about it, it says, if you are in Christ Jesus, that would be saved people, right? If you're not saved, you're not in Christ Jesus. But if you are in Christ Jesus, that verse there is saying, that nothing will separate you from the love of God. So it feels like, you know, there's also some strong verses you could throw out there. If you if you take the once saved, always saved route, there's some verses there that could back you up pretty strongly. And so here's the thing. No matter what denomination you are, you know, if you're a, a normal denomination, <laughs> if you're not some wacky denomination, if you're just a regular one, then listen, we all believe the Bible's true, okay? So for all of us, we have to find some way to reconcile all these conflicting ideas, okay? Yes, there's verses that seem to warn us to stay in Christ or else or else you could lose your salvation. Then there's verses that seem to warn us um, or seem to give us a lot of security uh, that once you're in Christ, nothing could ever take you away from him. So th- there's got to be some way to reconcile all this stuff. And, and anyway, what I want to present today is that I think I have a way you can do that. For example, when it when it comes to a verse where it says, uh, where Jesus says that no one will snatch unbelievers out of his hand, I believe that. Satan cannot snatch us out of God's hand. Nobody could possibly take away your salvation. Nothing could separate you from the love of God. But does that mean that you yourself can't do that? Perhaps nothing can snatch you out of Jesus's hand, but could you voluntarily walk out of Jesus's hand? You know, is that a different story? And I would lean towards saying, yes, I, I believe you can. Because we are not robots, we all have our own free will, and and so any of us at any moment, even if you're a Christian, you have your free will that at any moment, if you wanted to, you could walk away from God. But that opens up another issue, and for me, this this was the bigger issue. If you can lose your salvation, then how could you lose your salvation? Like, how can you lose it? Could, could you send it away? And I mean, there's verses that seem to imply this. If you look at First Corinthians six nine and 10, nine through ten. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So, you know, you read that and you're like, well, does that mean if a Christian starts doing any of those sins, does that mean they've lost their salvation because it says they won't inherit the kingdom of God? And so on one hand, you know, that makes sense. It would seem that if someone were to be a Christian 
and then they went into adultery or became an alcoholic that now they've lost their salvation. That that makes sense, I guess. But then that opens up a bigger problem for me because as I said at the start of the program, I base my salvation entirely on the work of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So I read that and, and many other verses, like in Romans and Galatians, and, and, and they seem to suggest to me that salvation is a, an issue that's totally separate from our works. Because if we relied on works alone, or if we even tried to mix it in with, with the grace of God, then we would all be condemned. Because, you know, it, whether you had committed adultery or if the worst sin you ever did in your life was stealing a lollipop, guess what? We have all sinned. So we are all condemned if we're not relying on the work of Jesus to get us to heaven. And again, this is something I think all Christians really agree on. But then what do we say about it when a Christian does like a major sin? Okay. And what's a major sin? Like cheats on their spouse. Okay. That's about the worst thing you can do, right? I mean, I'm not trying to get you to just list me all the things that could be worse, but that's, that's got to be up there to cheat on your spouse. That's one of the worst things a person could do. So I'm just thinking like if anything could make you lose your salvation, it'd have to be that, right? But if, that, if so, if that was the case, then what are we saying about our salvation? Am I saying that I'm maintaining my salvation by relying on Jesus plus being faithful to my wife? Is that, what, is that what I would say? Am I maintaining my salvation by believing in Jesus plus not being a drunkard or maintaining, maintaining my salvation by believing in Jesus plus my good works? Well, that can't be right. Actually, that's downright heretical. If you believe that you can be saved by Jesus plus maintaining your salvation by a good moral performance— then that's that's salvation by works. I don't even know if you're saved if you say <laughs> I know that's confusing the issue more, but like if you're if you're trusting in your works plus Jesus, I don't think you can even be saved in that at that point because you're not trusting in Jesus alone. So this is the journey I was going on in my late teens, early 20s, like I said. I just could not wrap my mind around saying that salvation was maintained by good works, yet also being by faith alone. That was just logically incoherent to me. And yet, you know, it seemed like a lot of Christians were telling me that to be saved um, and to stay, like, to not lose your salvation, it was like, I don't know, the idea that I seemed to get from people was that all Christians are still going to sin, but if you sin too much, now you've lost your salvation. Or they'd say, you know, if you sin too much, those sins aren't under the blood. You know, and I'd, I'd hear stuff like that, and I'm like, well, I guess that makes—or if you did something big, like, you know, cheat on your wife. You know, that well, that's a big sin right there. So is is that is that crossing the line to where you lose your—is that one of those sins that's not under the blood? You know, these are the, these are the things people would kind of say to me or imply to me, and yet my issue was I couldn't find—I couldn't find that in the Bible. I couldn't find that specified in the Bible. Like, I, I, in fact, I dug out this past week an old notebook that I kept back in—around that time in my life. And I dug out this old notebook, and here's something I wrote I wrote in it, okay? So this is over like 10 years old, but this is what I wrote. I can't find any biblical justification to support the belief that once you sin too much, you aren't saved anymore. As in, yesterday I sinned this much, and today I sinned that much, and now I've lost my salvation because I did that much sin. 
So that's a quote that I wrote over 10 years ago. A lot of Christians have given me lots of good ideas, lots of good theories about how much sin it would take to lose your salvation or what kind of sin that it would take to lose your salvation. But I just couldn't find them in the Bible. I couldn't find their ideas there. And I would just think, man, if, if okay, so if you can't lose your salvation, that would seem like a pretty big deal. You know, wouldn't the Bible tell you specifically how you could do that? <laughs> and I couldn't find anything that specific in the Bible. That's why we have this big debate. Because it's like, well, it doesn't, There's if there was just a cut and dry verse that said that, well, then I feel like we're, we wouldn't be debating about it. <laughs> But I couldn't find a verse like that in the Bible, and I couldn't make that idea logically fit with salvation being by faith alone. So that's why I settled on believing in once saved, always saved around that time. It just seemed a lot theologically safer than saying that you believed it was Jesus plus a good moral performance performance after coming to him. But... I still wasn't quite satisfied with that explanation because then I didn't know what to do with all these warnings that there are in Scripture about um, that they, they seem to say that you could lose or walk away from your salvation even after being saved. And and one of the passages that kept bugging me was Ezekiel 18. And that brings us to our verses today. So I want to pause my story of my faith journey from that time. I want to pause there. And I want to talk about these verses here in Ezekiel 18 verses 21 through 29. And after I read them, we're going to finish up. We'll finish up in a little bit of where my journey took me after that. So we'll start here at verse 21. Ezekiel writes this, But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps my statutes and does what is just and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him. For the righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? But when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same abominations that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous deeds that he has done will shall be remembered for the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed, for them he shall die. So, you know, if you remember from last time, or if you didn't listen to that Ezekiel lesson, in that in this chapter, Ezekiel is talking about personal responsibility. Ezekiel 18 is establishing the ethic that a child is not going to be condemned because of the sins of his or her parents. That a child will also um, not be made righteous by association just because they have a godly parent. Everybody is responsible for their own faith walk. Everyone's responsible for their own salvation. But then it changes here just a little bit. It changes to talking about how not only is it our own choice whether or not to choose God, but it's also our choice whether to stay with God. It says right there in Ezekiel 18, if a wicked person turns from his sins and does right, he shall live. And and if you have your Bible open to this, uh, and if you're someone who likes to write in your Bible, I just underline the word wicked in verse 21. Okay, because that is a very specific category of people. The wicked are those who are lost. It's those who are not saved. So every single part of every single one of us was part of this group, the wicked, until we got saved. All right, so unbelievers, unsaved people, the lost, that is who he's talking about right there in verse 21. He calls them the wicked. But then verse 24, 
mentions a new category, the righteous. Underline that word, the righteous. This is a saved person. This is a person who is righteous. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. In New Testament terms, we understand a righteous person is someone who has been cleansed of their sins by faith in Jesus, and therefore they've had the righteousness of God imparted to them. And so verse 24, I just read it. I can read it again. It says a righteous person can turn away from God. It says, but when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same abominations that the wicked person does, shall he live? And as we discussed last time, when Ezekiel 18 talks about life and death, he's talking about eternal life and death. Eternal life is life in heaven. Eternal death is is life in hell or, or, or death in hell. It's eternity in hell. That's the only logical reading of this chapter is that life is talking about eternal life in heaven and death is talking about eternal death in hell. And so Ezekiel says, if you turn from your righteousness and do injustice and abominations, you won't live. That there is the possibility, it's a warning against turning from your righteousness. Now, some people don't quite agree with this. They say it's not fair, that eternal life means eternal life, that if you never perish, doesn't Jesus say if you never, if you're, if you're, um, once you believe you'll never perish, it can't be lost or forfeited? Well, the next set of verses answer this objection that people have. Verse 25, yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he shall save his life. Because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions he had committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, are my ways not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? And we're going to stop there on those verses for today. Um, but God's, God says to them, this is how my justice system works. And this is true justice. And if you disagree, the problem is you. The problem is not me. <laughs> That's why I'm fond of saying you can agree with God or you can be wrong. But I like to agree with God because God is always right. Have you ever noticed that about God? He is always right. And so if I'll just agree with God, then I can be right too. Okay, see how that works? So that's how to always be right is just always agree with God. Okay, everybody? <laughs> now, listen, some people don't like this aspect of God's justice because that means somebody could potentially serve God for their entire whole life and then turn away from him in the last year of their life and then therefore they would not make it to heaven. And just think what a tragedy that would be. If someone served God their whole life, well, I mean, from the time they could be a believer, but if they serve God their entire life and then they decide to turn away in their last years and then die and go to hell, that would be a huge tragedy. And yet that seems to be what Ezekiel is warning us pretty directly right here. If you're someone who says, I believe in once saved, always saved, then what do you do with a passage like this? You know, this, this passage just seems to punch a hole right through that. I don't know how you could reconcile this. Um, and this section in Ezekiel, it's really just carrying forward the same idea as in the last section that we studied. It's talking about personal responsibility. It says you have a choice, that what you do in regards to God, it is up to you. 
And you have that choice right up until the moment you die. So you could technically follow God for years and then trade it all away on some stupid whim and then you could die and, and go to hell and nobody can force you to. That would entirely be your choice. And someone says, well, that's not fair. I don't think that's right. I think they should, you know, get <laughs> grandfathered in or whatever, uh, uh, you know, because they'd already spent so many years serving God. But God says that is the way that's right. Your way is not right if you don't agree with that. God's way is the right way. And on the other hand, the opposite is also true. Thank the Lord that you could be the thief on the cross, okay? Someone who's always lived selfishly, always lived in sin, always lived in rebellion to God, never even given God a second thought. But then right there at the end of your life, you could repent and turn yourself back over to him and be saved. As long as you're still breathing air, you still have a chance and you still have a choice. Well, some people don't like that aspect of God's justice. <laughs> some people get mad at the grace of God. They're kind of like the older brother in that story of the prodigal son. That Some people get mad because God is always willing to forgive. He always wants you back if you've turned away from him, and he will still save you even up to the moment of death. And so some people don't like that. They say, well, what? Someone could just be on their deathbed and, and give their life to God and then go to heaven? Well, actually, that is exactly what can happen. And I, again, some people get mad about that. And, and hey, I'll say, just because someone says something on their deathbed, we don't know if that's sincere or not. Only God knows, and they're going to meet God shortly after. So, you know, they'll <laughs> if they weren't sincere, then it won't matter. But if they sincerely believe, then up until the moment of death, you can still be saved. And so, um, again, some people don't like that aspect of God's justice. Some people get mad at the grace of God. I saw a comment recently online and this was on Facebook or Twitter, uh, but some comment that somebody made, it was a complete stranger, but this is what they wrote. They said, if Christianity is true, I wouldn't even want to go to heaven. It would be full of serial killers and murderers. And I kind of read that. I'm like, what are they talking about? And then I realized what they were saying. It was They wrote that in reference to the fact that somebody could live a full life of wickedness and then on their deathbed repent for their sins, and have God save them. And the person who was saying that, they were making that comment, and they said, that's just not fair to me. This was an unbeliever saying it, but he said, that just doesn't seem right. So, you know, they're saying, you know, a serial killer or a murderer could just repent and they'd go to heaven. And, you know, I'm not sure if I'd say heaven is full of serial killers and murderers. There's probably going to, you know, there are going to be some murderers up in heaven, all right? Uh, for example, Moses... <laughs> <laughs> or David, okay? And honestly, that's just, that's a few people from the Bible, but the list is greater than we know. There's lots of murderers who've gotten saved in human history. So um, I don't know if I'd say heaven is full of murderers, but there are definitely going to be some up there. And so if I could talk to who, you know, the person who said that, if I could talk to them, I would say, yes, God's grace is so big that yes, he will even forgive a murderer who truly repents. And yes, you probably then wouldn't like heaven very much because the kingdom of God is a kingdom for people who love grace. So if you have a question on this chapter or on this subject, you can always leave a comment or shoot me an email, crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com. It's also there in the show notes for this episode. 
And I'd be happy to take questions or recommendations on subjects you'd like to hear me tackle in the future. If you have a question on anything today and got a follow-up or, or hey, challenge me. If you got a challenge on something I said, please send it my way. I'd love to get into it and have a dialogue on this. I mean, I'm always, I'm always down to talk about stuff like this. So um, please feel free to send those. Next time, I'm not actually sure what the next episode's going to be just yet. Um, I have a few different things I'm working on, and I don't... So anyway, I, I've got several different ideas, but look for one next week. And then um, two week, two episodes from now, so two weeks from now, we should have another segment here on Ezekiel 18, because I still have a few verses left before we're done with this chapter. So um, anyway... Oh, and let me say one more thing before we get back into my, I'll get back into my faith journey story, but uh, hey, please leave a leave a uh, review or something like that. Subscribe on whatever you listen to this on, um, because my stats still say that most of my listeners are not even subscribed to the podcast, and I don't, I don't even know how that happens. All the podcasts I listen to, I don't see them unless I subscribe to them. So anyway, please subscribe. Don't just be looking up the podcast each week, but be a subscriber, and that helps me get boosted in the ratings. And I would really appreciate that. So, all right. So, as I said, I was, um, if I could just briefly recap, I grew up in a Pentecostal, that the idea that you can lose your salvation, it was always kind of vague how you could lose your salvation. People gave me lots of ideas and theories, but it was always really vague for me. Um, it was The idea was that you could sin away your salvation. That was always the idea I came away from it with. That like, if you sinned too much, you would walk away from God. But I never knew exactly how much was too much and couldn't get a straight answer, it seemed like. Or people had, like I said, they had ideas, but then I couldn't find where they were in the Bible. <laughs> so I was just not satisfied. As I became a young adult, started looking this stuff up for myself, a lot of the Bible, you know, still today, the Bible teachers that I listen to, the vast majority of them would be once saved, always saved people. Or they might call it perseverance of the saints or the eternal security of the believer. But they all believe that, um, and I'd say, I, if I go out to my my theological, my my Christian bookshelf, most of my bookshelves are just full of Christian books. And the most, almost all of them are written by people who are Calvinistic or people who believe once saved, always saved. And that's, you know, a lot of my, they I mean, they're fellow Christians. They have great theology. Uh, I don't quite agree with them on once saved, always saved. But th- that is, that is, to, so anyway, I, I go to work for this radio station, and that's what most of the people there believe, and they kind of convinced me for a little bit to follow along with that. But then um, I still just wasn't quite satisfied. Like, what about all these verses that warn us? There's lots of warnings, even in, in the New Testament, all the way to the end of the Bible. There's warnings about not just becoming a Christian, but staying a Christian. And so I thought, like, how do how do I f- understand all these warnings if I'm secure in Christ and I can't lose my salvation. Like, I, I don't understand why there's all these warnings then about remaining in Christ. And um, and the once saved, always saved crowd, they, they have lots of ways to deal with those passages, but I just, I couldn't, I wouldn't find their explanations satisfactory a lot of the time. Sometimes I did, but not always. So here here's how actually I end up splitting the baby on this. And and, and that's not how I tried to approach it. I don't think a happy medium is always the right answer. Sometimes one side is just right and the other side is just wrong. But here's here's how I like square the circle on this issue, okay? Here, let me start with this question. How do we explain somebody who at one time made a profession of faith, but then later in life, they walked away from it? They deconverted, 
okay? Or perhaps they went into a very sinful lifestyle. Well, how do we explain that theologically? Okay, what as far as their salvation status at that point? Well, first of all, I'm going to say this. It's not always going to be the same thing. It could be that their original profession of faith was never genuine in the first place. Okay? You know, some people say they used to be a Christian because they grew up being taken to church, or they were just used to claim they were a Christian because that's what their grandma was, that's what their grandparents were, but they never really thought too deeply about it. Um, they never made like a real commitment to God. And then um, once they grew up a bit, once they were out on their own, they kind of just did what they wanted until they, eventually they realized maybe even the Christian label didn't apply to them anymore. But they, but they had never really latched onto it too deep to begin with. They never comprehended what it would take, what it would entail to live a life of faith. Okay, a lot of kids go to church camp at some point when they're a teenager, and and like that first night of church camp, they go down, they walk the aisle, they pray the prayer, they they kind of write a spiritual high for the rest of the week, but then by the time school starts up in August, they're back to where they were before church camp. Okay, it's like, what do you, what do, you do with people like that? And all that stuff I was just saying, what do you do with people like that? Well, situations like that, I would quote 1 John 2.19. It says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So that verse right there, it's not somebody who's lost their salvation. It's somebody who never had it to begin with. When a young person who grew up in church and said that they were a Christian their whole life as a kid, but then becomes an adult or goes to college or lives on their own, and immediately they just start deteriorating in their faith. In that situation, it's probably not backsliding. That's probably someone who never slid up to begin with. Like they only had faith when it was easy and when they were surrounded by people who said the same stuff that they were saying. You know, it's easy to have faith whenever you are in a Christian family and you're spending a lot of time at home or spending a lot of time in church. You know, it's not really a challenge to have faith at church. It's a challenge whenever you go out into the world. And if somebody's faith falls apart as soon as they step out into the world, I don't know if I'd say they ever really had faith to begin with. Um, but that's not always going to be the case. There are going to be those who seem to sincerely believe and love God and love the gospel and follow, follow Jesus for years. But then later, they do seem to fall away. There seems to be people like that as well. Like even today, we've seen major Christian authors major Christian pastors, major Christian musicians and public figures who are departing from Christianity. And it's like, what do we do with that? The once saved, always saved view would say that they are still on their way to heaven. Um, even if they claim to be an atheist now, the lose your salvation view would say that they have just lost their salvation. It's <laughs> simple enough. But, but then the question is, what was it that made them lose their salvation? Was it a specific sin that they committed? Did they sin away their salvation? Like, what was it that that turned the dial to where they're not a Christian anymore? I remember there was one influential Christian as I was growing up who said this to me. They said, once you're no longer convicted by sin, that's when you know that you've lost your salvation. That when you're a saved person, you're convicted by sin whenever you sin because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And, and so if you get to a point where you're sinning, but you're no longer feeling conviction of sin, then that's how you know that someone has lost their salvation. At the time, that made perfect sense to me. 
but I still had a problem with it. <laughs> the Bible never says that. Like that is what I struggled with. You know, if that was the test for how to know when somebody has lost their salvation, wouldn't the Bible have just told us that? Like I needed something that was more rooted in the Bible to bring me peace of mind on that question. And so here's what I settled on. Here's what I would say. It comes down to someone's faith. Okay? Not their works. It comes down to their faith. Even for somebody who goes into sin, even a professing Christian who at one time seemed very solid, okay? But then they they go into sin or something like that. Well, here's the question. What is their faith in right now? And if their faith is still in Jesus to save them, then I would say they are still saved, regardless of their works. But if they no longer have faith in Jesus, then I would say they've lost their salvation. So if somebody deconverts, okay, if they become an atheist or if they follow some other religion, then I'd say they've easily lost their salvation. Okay, I'm not a once saved, always saved person anymore. I haven't been one for some time. I believe that if you were a Christian and then you put your faith from Jesus into something else, and that could be a different religion or maybe it's something totally different, you know, maybe you stop, maybe you stop relying on Jesus at all and you just trust in your money or your good works or whatever. But whenever you do that, you've lost your salvation and nobody stole it from you. It's that you voluntarily walked out of Jesus's hand. So again, I'm not a once saved, always saved person, but I also don't agree with the proposition that you can sin away your salvation because yes, Christians are going to sin. We do it every day, probably. So the question of how much could I sin before I lose my salvation, that's just always been a really sketchy question to me because who gets to decide that? I mean, I guess God does, <laughs> but how would we ever know? So, it, you know, it only took one sin for me to be condemned. It only took one sin to be condemned to hell, even if it was just stealing a lollipop. So if I get saved, do I lose my salvation the next time I sin even once? Well, obviously not. Okay, so what about twice? Three times? Like, how many sins does it take to lose your salvation? And you see, there's just nothing for us to go off of to make that determination. The only view that I could think of that seems logically consistent is to say that keeping our salvation is not a matter of works. Because whenever somebody gets saved, it doesn't matter if they had 50 sins or if they had 500 million sins on their record. It doesn't matter if it was gigantic sins or if it was tiny sins. It doesn't matter. We all need the grace of Christ. So getting our salvation was not a matter of works. It was a matter of faith. And so I'd say the same about keeping our salvation. It's not a matter of works. It's a matter of faith. And, and so there's two dangers I could see people of, of either crowd. There's, like a, there's, there's an extreme on either side in this debate of once saved, always saved, or the lose your salvation crowd. Either way, I could see an extreme that you could get into. And these are often the charges that they level against each other whenever they debate this. Okay, so the first extreme is what once saved, always saved people are charged with. When you ask them, are you saying that just as long as somebody makes a profession of faith, then it doesn't matter what they do anymore, that they can just do whatever they want and still go to heaven? Well, the once saved, always saved person has to, they kind of have to answer yes, because once saved always saved. So, you know, that's, and that's kind of an extreme view. 
Uh, not saying that that means it's wrong just because it's extreme, but I'm just saying that's kind of an extreme view. Well, hey, yeah, it doesn't matter what you do because now you just go to heaven no matter what. You know, I don't think they actually say it that way, but that's that's kind of an extreme view is all, is all I'm saying. The, uh, and I think it's a harmful extreme. The other extreme is the extreme of the lose your salvation view. And this is the one that scares me even more. It, it's that if you believe you can lose your salvation by sinning too much, or if you believe you can lose your salvation by doing certain types of sins, well, now aren't you believing in a works-based salvation? Like you believe that you're saved because you believe in Jesus and because you don't commit adultery. Well, if you say that, isn't, isn't that kind of a work salvation? You're saying it's, my, it's Jesus plus fidelity. Or if you believe that you're saved because you believe in Jesus, plus I don't cuss. Well, then aren't you saying that it's your good work of clean speech that saves you? <laughs> like, if that's what you believe, I totally reject that. I think that's actually heretical. I think you need to go read Galatians. Or actually, you could listen to episode 42 of my podcast uh, where I explain it all right there. But, but uh, that's heretical to me. So I want to, before I close down today, I want to answer both of those extremes with what my view says. Okay. So first of all, I wouldn't say that somebody could sin away their salvation. And somebody might accuse me of that, that I'm saying it doesn't matter what you do, because once you're saved, you're going to heaven no matter what you do. I would very much disagree because sin could still have a big effect on your future. And here's what I mean. Whenever you sin, you harden your heart toward God. That's why I often say the best test of your relationship with God, it's that gap between sin and repentance. If you're someone who's close to God and you sin, you tend to repent pretty quick. But the further you get away from God, the further it seems to be between your sin and your repentance. The, the more you sin, the more you harden your heart toward God. And the more you harden your heart toward God, the more your faith in God diminishes. And, and I'd say you start putting your faith towards something else. So I wouldn't say that somebody could just sin all they want and still go to heaven, because the more you sin, the more you risk hardening your heart toward God and losing faith in him. So if somebody just lives in a lifestyle of sin, like let's say that they made a profession of faith at one time, maybe they still do claim to be a Christian, but they regularly, you know, I don't know, go to the strip club or, or beat their wife or, or embezzle funds at work, okay? Let's say they never go to church or read their Bible. Well, it sounds to me like that kind of person has a pretty hard heart towards God. Like they probably don't really have a relationship with God. It would be hard for me to say that they have any kind of faith in God if that's how they're acting, regardless of what they say with their mouth. Because your actions, you know, as the as the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. So it it would be hard for me to imagine anybody saying that Jesus Jesus is my Savior and Lord, while they're simultaneously cheating on their wife and they're not expressing any repentance over it. I'd say that sounds like a pretty hard-hearted person. Okay, and again, you can't read someone's heart; you can't know. But I'd say if you willingly choose to engage in unrepentant sin especially over a long period of time, you're probably not going to be saved anymore. You know, not because you sinned away your salvation, but it's because of how that sin corrupted your heart and deadened your faith. You know, it's just hard to imagine that somebody has faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord if this is how you think you should live. Because actions still do matter. And, and again, it's not what saves you. It's not what unsaves you. But they still matter. They can still have an effect on what, what's going to happen to your heart. So what if you say this? What if you say, but what about losing your faith? Isn't that a sin? 
Isn't that saying you could sin away your salvation? Aren't you now teaching a salvation by works? Well, I would not say that what you put your faith in is considered a work in God's justice system. Because whenever we get saved, the Bible says it's a matter of faith, not works. So I think that means faith is not a work. You know, if faith were a work, then that verse would be (laughs) self-contradictory. So if putting your faith in Jesus is not technically a work, then losing your faith in Jesus is not technically a work either. It's like a different category, okay? And it's something actually much worse. And so that's how I square that circle. Um, I could not define myself as a person who believes once saved, always saved. I couldn't do that anymore. I do believe you can lose your salvation, but I say that with the caveat that is not like a particular work or number of works that could make you lose your salvation. It's whenever you replace your faith in Jesus with faith in something else. So, stay away from sin. (laughs) If you take one thing away from this today, stay away from it, because sin will drive a wedge between you and God. And I don't care how solid of a Christian you are. You know, in the previous Ezekiel lesson, I said it wouldn't matter if your father or your grandfather was Billy Graham. And I would repeat that here. It wouldn't matter if you were Billy Graham. If you start living a lifestyle of sin— it will turn your heart away from God. And in the end, it won't be the sin itself that determines your salvation. It's going to be where your heart is whenever you die, what your faith is in. And that is your choice. It doesn't matter if you follow God for 50 years. If you start getting casual about sin, then your faith is going to start to weaken and a gap will grow between you and God. It happened to Solomon. He literally wrote some books of the Bible. And I I could not tell you today if I'm sure whether Solomon is in heaven or not. It's possible that he missed it. He went into a lot of idolatry in his later years. And why? Well, because he started with sinning, started with disobeying God's commands until eventually he was worshiping false gods. If it can happen to Solomon, it could happen to you. So anyway, when I when I read the Bible with with I guess what I call my view, I don't know if there's a name for it, but um the Bible just makes so much more sense to me now whenever I read it. When I read through the New Testament, I'm not plagued with these questions anymore of once saved, always saved versus losing your salvation. I understand that salvation is by faith, that it's maintained by nothing but faith. But I also understand that sin itself is not what causes me to lose my salvation, but sin can destroy my faith, which then would cause me to lose my salvation. And and if you're like, well, where is that in the Bible? There's a passage that really bears this out specifically, just like I just said it. it. Well, I'd say Hebrews chapter three. Just read the whole chapter. It really explains all this. But I'm gonna read a portion of it. I'm just gonna read verses seven through 14. And just as I read this, just think about what I've said today. I think it fits in so well with what we read in the warning here given in Hebrews three. So starting at verse seven, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion or on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Let me just read verse 14 one more time. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. It's not about the sin. It's about the heart. But the sin can sure influence the heart. So beware of sin. When I was a kid in school assemblies, uh, the firefighters used to tell us, never, ever, ever start a fire with gasoline. They would come out and do an assembly on this every year. The, the firefighters would come out and they'd give you a bunch of fire safety tips and they'd teach you, you know, stop, drop and roll, all that kind of stuff. And one thing they would tell us is that you should never start a fire with gasoline. And then I remember one of those firefighters, um, he, he was actually the husband of my third grade teacher. And one, one night he went home and he was setting a fire in his backyard and he started the fire with gasoline and actually caught himself on fire. He was out of work for like two months because he had to get skin grafts on his, he set his legs on fire. And, you know, that, that besides the pain and the horror of that, I mean, that had to be also pretty embarrassing for him that this guy who had told people so many times, don't start fires with gasoline, literally went and did that. And I guess he thought, because he was a firefighter, thought he could handle it, you know, whatever the reason, and uh, literally set himself on fire. And uh, (laughs) then they're having fundraisers and stuff for him. I don't think they invited him to speak at any more school assemblies. Um, Listen, it doesn't matter how much you think you know. It doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. Playing with sin is like playing with fire. You risk getting burned. Doesn't matter if you're an old church lady. It doesn't matter if you're a longtime pastor. Doesn't matter if you're Billy Graham. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for five minutes. The message is the same. Don't play with sin. You don't want your soul to burn. Thanks for listening to the Cross References Podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you that if you want to be right, just agree with God. Just agree with God.